Do you love NASCAR and all things racing? Then you've come to the right place. I'm Derek Cope. And I'm Alicia Cope. We are your hosts. And here on Race Theory, we talk about all things asphalt racing. Our life on the road, maintaining good sponsor relationships, as well as balancing our work and family life as a team. Stick around and hopefully our tips and experiences will help you reach your own goals. Welcome back. Episode two. It uh, started off, uh, you know, intriguing, I guess, talking about where we were at and how we got to where we were going. And obviously, I'm about to 1980 and the decision uh, has been made. And that was to go late model sportsman racing and do some asphalt racing. And my father, I think, was excited about it. I know I was. I really didn't know exactly what I was getting myself into, but it was going to be a lot of hard work and I was ready for it. And it started out really Jackie Cooper, who uh, has been a lifelong friend and was of my father's as well and had been sponsored by my father in the uh, late model sportsman division and had just retired. And his car had a a bent clip on the car, but he gave it to my dad because we had sponsored him for motors. And he let my dad, you know, give it to, to us to use and to have really. So the front clip was bad. So obviously, um, I had been working with, uh, Dave Fuge a little bit. He had been working with, um, uh, down in South in uh, Redding, California and uh, with Bill Schmidt. And, uh, so Dave was giving me instructions over the phone on how to put a stock front clip on this car. Over the phone. Over the phone. He was giving me instructions and I was working at JJ Savino's, who was an old time race car driver out of Spanaway Speedway, had an, had a shop that he worked on cars and uh, put clips on, did, uh, you know, stock stub type of um, front ends on cars, which was really what you had to, to do in most of the series back then. You basically were taking a stock, you know, Camaro clip or Chevelle clip or whatever and cutting it off of a regular car and then trimming it all out and uh, putting up array arm mounts on it and then putting it on um, a race car. So here I was at JJ's and uh, Dave giving me instructions over the phone to put my first front clip on a car uh, and getting it ready for the uh, late model sportsman division. Uh, so it was quite a, a learning experience. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, really learned a lot about, you know, um, you know the, the things that you really needed to do about figuring out how a car is, how it's going to have ride heights and really about where the, you know, the clip needs to be located for the geometry, which, you know, math was not really my best subject, obviously, but uh, the geometry paid off. So I started learning about that and, and then learning about, you know, roll centers and trying to understand really the migration of how the car transfers weight. So interesting things early on, but managed to get the car, you know, put together. And, uh, you know, the guys from Lake's Body Shop helped me with, uh, you know, doing the body work and the, the paint work on the car. And we, um, obviously had put an engine together at Cope Brothers Racing Engines, and uh, we had a small block Chevrolet for it, and we were getting ready for our, you know, our initial run uh, for Rookie of the Year in late model sportsman division, which and at that time, RJ Reynolds, the Winston brand, was doing a lot of things for local short tracks across the nation. Everybody there, they had big, you know, scoreboards and uh, banners and things, and they were doing a lot for racing. And uh, that was, you know, the same at uh, Yakima Speedway. So pretty excited to go over there and get my first opportunity to run for rookie of the year. And, uh, you know, we started off and, you know, went over there and, um, you know, realized real quick that, uh, you know, this was a daunting task. You know, these guys that, you know, that were over there were, I mean, very, very talented race car drivers. We're talking Don Dowdy and, you know, Jeffries and, uh, 
you know, uh, Billy Hitchcock. I mean, uh, just a lot of really talented people that have been racing for a long period of time. And, um, you know, we just started, you know, working at it real hard and, you know, it started running pretty well. Just, you know, obviously just really trying to serve my apprenticeship and, uh, figure out how to drive one of these things and to race these guys. And, you know, when you're racing guys that are really a whole lot better than you, you know, I think it really presses you to, uh, to push yourself beyond, you know, your limits. And, you know, when you can start to watch what guys are doing and emulate what they're doing and, you know, just, uh, you know, learning from guys that are going to, that could have gone on and been, you know, in the Winston West or, or even further, right. These guys were, you know, uh, really talented guys. So, um, it was, uh, it was a long year and, uh, you know, make a long story short. I mean, I had Dave Fuge, um, ended up coming to work for us. Uh, my dad hired him to work in the engine shop. And so it was really a fortunate time for me because, you know, Dave had had a lot of experience working with Ron Eaton and then Bill Schmidt and, uh, you know, really knew a lot about race cars themselves as well as, you know, working on engines as well. And that's what he was paid to do at the shop. So, um, it was funny. Uh, Dave was going through a divorce at this point, at this time and had a little motor home and, uh, Dave was living in the motor home outside our shop in Parkland, Washington. And I was making all of about 180 bucks a week and I was feeding him. Uh, so it was a, it was a difficult time. Uh, and, uh, but you know, we formed a, uh, you know, uh, a good relationship and, uh, you know, he was teaching me and, and my early mentor, as far as, you know, driving a race car and the, the do's and the don'ts. And, uh, you know, I learned a lot from David and, you know, he was, uh, hard headed, you know, and, you know, and wanted what he wanted and he pushed you. And, uh, you know, we had our knockdown drag outs as well, you know, cause I was pretty fiery back then as well, but oh, knockdown drag out continued yeah. uh, well through <laughs> the years. Well, David has a tendency and had a tendency pretty much throughout his career to be controversial in many ways, but, uh, that's another story for later on down the road. But, you know, obviously we, uh, we kept working hard and we ended up going to Portland and, um, it was funny. We actually, before that, we, we, we did, we were running out of money and we didn't really have a lot of money to, uh, to keep running this car. We were fortunate enough that, uh, on the Winston West race, our car at that time, kind of a unique thing at that time, late model sportsman racing and Winston West racing was the same. The cars were the same. They're all, you know, cars that would run, you could run the late model sportsman and take the same car and run Winston West. Cause so you're running a cup really? car. You're basically running a cup car. They were full bodied, steel bodied cars that could run on Winston West. So it was really uh, a unique platform initially for me, uh, because I started in heavy cars that, you know, race basically were the same cars that I was going to drive throughout my career, you know, all into on into, uh, the East coast. So you literally could have taken one of those cars that you were driving and take it back East and run it in the NASCAR cup series at the time. Yes, pretty much at the time. There would have been a few small things, you know, body-wise, you know, to go cup racing, you know, template-wise and things you had to meet, you know, but still nothing significant. But to run Winston West, obviously, was a little bit, you know, less, you know, confined and more and restriction-wise, you know, but it still was basically the same car. So we ended up having um, Bobby Allison come in. We were fortunate enough that they, you know, the race director at Portland paid him to bring him in, right? So they needed a car for him to drive. So they paid us to put Bobby in our car. And it was fortunate because I really needed the money to get through the rest of the year. Plus to have Bobby Allison, you know, a Daytona 500 winner, you know, a champion in the sport, uh, come in and, you know, spend some time with me, obviously I think was, was huge. And it, and it really played out that way. 
Bobby was a very unique individual. I would later drive for Bobby Allison in the Cup Series, which was ironic. Uh, but he came there, and we were at Portland, and he he immediately got in the car and obviously was you know relatively proficient. I mean, the car was fast already, and he was you know one of the leaders in speed. And he would he'd come in. He said, you know, he said, um, do, you, do you have problems with this car pushing? And I said, yeah, all the time. You know, he said, well, it's the steering wheel. He said they get got way too small a steering wheel. So he said, we need a steering wheel. So lo and behold, Leon Martinson, you know, has his shop there in Portland. He has an old roadster, uh, uh, like a, like an offset roadster kind of, uh, you know, sprint car deal. So he runs out and goes home and grabs a steering wheel, which is a flat, big steering wheel off his sprint car, brings <laughs> it back. And we put that on the car and Bobby proceeds to go out and pick up a, a huge amount of speed. And now the car's turning really well. And that was a real lesson right there. And then, you know, he wanted to break the seat out a little bit. It was a, you know, I think it was some kind of a plastic fiberglass type seat. And we broke that thing off. And he said, I got to get my leg over. You know, and he said, once I can do, I'll pick up another three or four tenths if I can just get my leg moved over, right? Sure enough, break the seat. He runs another three, four tenths faster. Wow. Precedes to go in the race and lap the field by two laps wins the race. Lapped by two laps? Two laps. I was like astonished, but he sat down after the race and I'll, I'll never forget this. We sat down after the race and he just started going over about, you know, the things that we had, you know, had learned, you know, by the steering wheel and the things the car had. And he talked about the car pushing. He said, you got to remember, he said, you have to turn the steering wheel. And he said, if you have too small a wheel, you end up, you know, turning to the car. And he says, you'll stop turning. You know, you basically, you, you lock your arms so much and you can't only turn so far, your shoulders lock up with the belts on. So he said, he said, and he said, what you have to do is physically know that if the car starts to push, you got to grab another handful of wheel. If you have a bigger steering wheel, you don't have to. So that was something that, you know, has served me well. And, you know, later in, you know, I've always, you know, reflected back on that when the car was doing something, I always take another handful of steering wheel thinking, you know, what Bobby always told me. So, you know, it was just a real learning experience plus enough funding to get through the rest of the year. And we went back to Portland and I ended up winning my first race at Portland, beating Don Dowdy and, uh, uh, you know, Jeffries and all those guys. Right. So it was just, it was a, a special year. I won rookie of the year and won a race and against a very tough competition. So it felt like that we had come, you know, quite a ways in a, in a short period of time. And cause obviously, you know, you got to remember you start racing in April and you get done racing about September. Right. So very short amount of time to race. So, uh, you I was have to make hay while the you sun have to shines. make hay. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, the year is done and, um, I get this opportunity and I think George Jefferson, who was out of Natchez, <clears throat> his brother, Jerry, uh, Jeff, uh, um, Jefferson, Harry Jefferson was, his brother and he had drove, you know, for most of the time for George, but didn't really want to travel. And so George was looking for somebody to come in and drive his car. Don Dowdy had been driving for him and again, didn't really want to travel. And George wanted to go run, you know, other races like go down South and run the Winston West and stuff. He had gone back East with Harry, Harry Jefferson had gone back East, ran Rockingham, I think ran Charlotte and maybe one other place and did really well. So Harry was very proficient and George as well. So they proved that they could go do it. And at Harry the highest was George's level. brother? His brother, correct. Mm -hmm. So at this point, I don't know how it really comes to pass, but, you know, I think, you know, George was looking for an avenue for engines, help on, on the pricing of engines and things. And obviously, you know, I was able to kind of play into that because I was just learning how to do my own motors. So we struck a deal that, I would end up getting, you know, I would end up driving for George. 
And, uh, then I would do the motors at our shop and uh, he would pay for the parts. I would do all the labor. So a great working relationship that, uh, really kind of set the tone for, uh, my career, really a career move, uh, where ultimately, you know, I, you know, would become a professional race car driver and start driving for George and, you know, be, start to get in a position where I could, you know, escalate, um, my productivity, <clears throat> get to go from late model sports and racing, run some Winston West races and, you know, get an opportunity to actually go back East. So that's really what transpired. Uh, we had early, you know, we had early struggles, <clears throat> the car that we had, George's cars were old, heavy cars. <laughs> and I'm, <clears throat> when I'm talking old and heavy, I mean, these cars were very antiquated. They were old hutch cars, old banjo cars, just, you know, very old. And we had this old Fairmont body car. Now we ran Fords, the only person to run Fords on the West Coast. So we were basically the, the lone wolf. And we had these old, you know, old cars, right? So this old Fairmont. And if anybody knows what a Fairmont looks like, you know, she ain't the best looking piece. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right? Not too attractive. No. She, yeah. Yeah. Not the best looking old girl. So, you know, we run this year and then 1981, we're running that, that Fairmont and really, you know, did not really run as good in this car as I did my own car. Um, she was, just struggled with it. Right. And, um, you know, just kept battling it and battling it and, um, you know, having okay runs, but nothing really, you know, that I would say that I was really <laughs> making any gains. And, um, I remember, you know, I got off the edge of Yakima was kind of a unique racetrack cause it, you know, there was, you know, just racetrack and then it Yakima, had, Washington, yeah, Washington state for yeah. our listeners here. Just hey, off the back stretch there. I mean, it's just, it's just ash from Mount St. Helens and dirt in weeds. And, uh, so you can, you get have a tendency to push off that corner and get off the back. You can slip a wheel off there pretty easy. And I managed to stay in the gas a little too long off a, off a two and got her off the back edge there and got her off the racetrack and just wadded this thing up. And the old Fairmont was no more. <laughs> so we take her back to the shop, which was a logging operation, George Jefferson logging. And we were right. in Natchez and logging right at the, right at the Y operation, right at the Y before you go to white pass and Chinook pass. Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so here we are, we get her back to the logging operation, you know, taking a look at this old girl. And I mean, she is hurt. And I said, well, so what are we going to do? You know, I think we don't even have another car. This is, and this is going to be. Oh, I think I remember this story when we uh, went down to your um, induction into the uh, West Coast Stock Car Hall of Fame. And I met those Jefferson brothers and they talked about the, uh, the car in the weeds. Yes. The old girl that was waiting in the weeds, uh, unbeknownst to me. Uh, and uh, so I'm sitting here and I'm thinking like, you know, how are we going to fix this thing? It needs a front rear clip. I mean, it, it is bent from one end to the other. And, um, uh, George was like, don't worry, boss. I said, yeah, he always called me boss. You know? <laughs> he says, don't worry, boss. I said, what do you mean? Don't worry, boss. He goes, I got a car for you. I said, you got a car for me? He goes, yeah. He says, I said, well, where is this car? He goes, out back. I said, out back. You know, all these out backs, weeds. All right. And I mean, I'm <laughs> thinking like, what is he talking about? I didn't know we had another car. He says, best car I own, boss. I said, what? I said, he said, come on, I'm going to show you. So we got walking out there, wading through the, you know, the back shot of the logging operation, walking past all the, you know, the graders and all that stuff. And here we go. And I mean, and I'm talking about, you know, weeds up to your chest, right? And we're getting out there. And I'm like, I said, what? I said, where are we going? He goes, just wait. 
And all of a sudden, I can see the top of this car sitting out in the weeds. And this thing's like, I mean, faded grabber blue and yellow and, you know, just, you know, I mean, not very attractive. I can see, right? I'm going, I said, George, what? I said, what is this? He goes, best car I own right here, boss. <laughs> I said, best car you own? I said, what's it doing out here? <laughs> I said, he's like, been saving her. I said, saving her? I said, looks <laughs> she's rusted from one end to the other. And I said, we're saving her for what? He says, going to bring her in and have her ready to go next week. Thinking to myself, self, this looks like trouble. <laughs> she was a cougar. Oh, my. Oh, yeah. So I go from a Fairmont to a cougar. Hmm. Thinking to myself, a cougar. Okay. So we get this thing in, you know, and I remember, you know, they're going to work on it. The boys are thrashing, you know, and this thing, we get her ready to go. And I know I end up going the first time in this thing. And I know, you know, Fuge is, is helping out. I mean, Dave and Dave's looking at this thing and this is an atrocity. I mean, this thing is, you know. But she's getting a lot of attention, obviously. She's getting a lot of attention. Oh, yeah. All hands on deck. Let's put it that way. All the guys from the logging operation are heavy at her. So. And how did it perform ultimately? Ultimately, she was a real pearl. She would go nowhere and would handle. I mean, this thing was an animal. And <laughs> I, I look like a maniac. And this thing is just all over the place. It, you couldn't hold this thing in a 40-acre field. And we tried everything. We would work on truck arms and you know, to get this thing to get hooked. It would never get hooked up. You couldn't hook the thing up. It would get no forward drive, no lateral side bite, no nothing. Thinking to myself, this, I made a career move where I had my car. I want to race. And right now, I, I look like a complete pongo out here. <laughs> so... You know, we get through this year and, you know, it really is a, an utter disaster, really. Uh, and, but it was an interesting time. Dave Fuge had just pretty much gone out uh, on his own and uh, started to build race cars, Dave Fuge race cars. And very nice, you know, all, you know, tubular chassis, not like what we've been running with front clips and stuff on my car. And then George's was a hutch car from back east for a banjo car, but really heavy and, um, Dave come come out with this really nice, um, you know, well thought out lightweight car, and we put this 1982 Ford Thunderbird body on it, which was state of the art at that time, you know. And they were still body; there was actual body panels of a Ford Thunderbird, so it looked just like that with the front grille the whole bit. She was a pretty piece, and uh, Jackie Johnson come to work as the crew chief, and you know Jackie Johnson, mm -hmm. and. Um, Jackie was, you know, working, he worked for the Lakes drywall team when we were doing engines. My dad was doing engines, uh, for that back in the mid seventies and George hired Jackie and Jackie came on board and that really was a turning point for us, uh, collectively. If you think about the Dave Fuge race car, you know, an upgrade in a race car, and then Jackie Johnson, his knowledge, he had come from Campobello, South Carolina, had worked for Bud Moore, Joe Fazon, a bunch of really, you know, old time guys had a lot of knowledge and uh, real Southern, you know, mm -hmm. drawl and, and just, you know, laid back. Right. And it, the combination just seemed to, to work. And we went out, brought this car out and Jackie painted cars in lacquer back then where he would hand sand and buff them and sand and buff them. They were like under glass. And this thing was this prettiest metallic blue and had these candy apple red stripes over white with JR on it. You know, it was, it really was a beautiful car. I mean, something that you were proud to, 
to drive, you know. Yes, I've seen pictures. It is a very, very pretty car and, and a, a unique process what he did back there in Lacquer. Probably not the most um, safety health conscious <laughs> uh, way to, to paint a car, but yeah. That was before OSHA really got yeah. involved in, uh, <laughs> in the painting of cars. But it was, yeah, you know, and we, we, we worked hard. You know, we, we really were trying to set a precedent then. I mean, I had my first really, um, you know, professionally done uniform. Uh, it was really, you know, it had JR crossed up. It was a, you know, a nice, you know, three layer trick suit. Um, so we just looked the part. Well, you not only looked the part, but you performed the part that year. Yeah, we did. You know, we were, we were fast. And I mean, we ended up, you know, I, you know, through the years, right. Make a long story short, right. We made it through the years. We ended up winning, you know, um, the late model sportsman championship, uh, you know, we would like, I think we had pole, you know, 13 of 17 times. And I don't know how many races we won, seven races, nine races, something like that. Right. To win the championship. And, um, and that really set the tone, uh, for us moving up. And then we took the Winston West car and we ran some Winston West races. And I actually went to my first Winston cup race in, uh, in 1981, but I crashed a car down there and didn't get to start the race. Uh, it was an actual Torino. And I know that hurt George's feelings. It had this beautiful mirror, uh, mural on the hood. And I wadded this thing up. I missed a shift getting off into turn six and put it in the fence. And then uh, the next year, we went back uh, with a Winston West car and made the race. So I ran, I ran my first cup race, 1982, at Riverside. So that was really the, the start of getting to run late model sportsman and the Winston West and a Winston Cup race. So that really whet my appetite. Well, and I have to say, um, I don't even have all of this knowledge that you're talking about, but I certainly remember that um, West Coast um, Induction Hall of Fame and all of the people that came up to meet you. And the resonating theme was they were all there to see you because they had been fans when you were just tearing it up over there. I mean, I remember a, a woman who was maybe a little bit younger than me coming up and saying that she would literally hide in her dad's truck so that she could go to these races. And she'd kind of pop up about halfway there and say, hey, I'm here, I'm coming. And she said every race that she went to with her dad, she said Derek Cope was the winner on that Winston West circuit. So she really had a, a really fun time watching you. And I think um, it definitely um, is worth saying that there's a lot of drivers that just stayed on the West Coast, made a name for themselves, and um, stayed out there. But you chose to take that to the East Coast, and that made all the difference in your career. Well, we had a lot of great people there, you know, a lot of great drivers, you know, I mean, you learned so much. You got to race Don Dowdy, you know, um, you know, the Jeffries, you're talking about Hitchcock, all those guys. Herschel. Herschel. I mean, you name it, right? There was just a lot of great talent out there, you know, and you raced against guys that had the same equipment you had. A lot of guys started buying the huge cars, you know, I know Flora had a huge car, Wallbridge, much of those guys, right? So you're racing the same you know, deal. And I was building motors for, I was doing all the assembly on a lot of motors for Bobby Fox and a lot of guys, you know, for the engines, as well as I was doing all the Fords. I was building, um, we had these Australian Cleveland blocks. And, uh, at that time we had like three, uh, Australian Cleveland blocks and I was doing all the work on those myself. And, uh, they were all the old stock boss headed stuff. And I mean, I don't think we got a new, the actual new aluminum, uh, cylinder head until maybe, 
maybe 1983 or four or something like that was the first aluminum head that came from Ford Motor Company. And I got one set from them because we were on a Ford deal. And so, you know, it was a time that, you know, there was a lot of great people. You made a lot of relationships with people. You raced from the people that, you know, you would, you know, go on and, and continue to race and then see later on. So, you know, it was a, it was a, everybody loved racing. And I think at that time, that's what we had in common. Right. And, uh, we were fortunate to go on from there and, uh, get to, you know, we had an interesting thing happen to us, you know, obviously being the only Ford, um, we were able to get some backing from Ford Motor Company. I'd been sending off proposals, you know, getting a lot of like product deals from Michigan engine bearings and, you know, much different things. And Dave Fulton came in, he was the, like the, the manager, the product manager, uh, and racing ma uh, coordinator for 7-Eleven and Southland Corporation with Sitco and Chief Auto Parts. And he, uh, had, had went to bat with us and, uh, we got a deal with, uh, with Ford Motor Company and Campbell and Company was the marketing agency for that. And we ended up getting a factory Ford deal, uh, with 7-Eleven sponsorship. And I believe that was 1984 that we got that and started that Winston West program and, uh, went on to, you know, win rookie of the year. And I was four points shy of winning the championship and the rookie of the year at that time, which had never been done. Uh, Jim Robinson, uh, you know, ended up beating me, uh, at Phoenix. And that was quite a tragic story because you were going to do that, but wasn't it a, you ran out of fuel or you had an, no, that failure? was, that was, um, we, uh, ended up, uh, I had Tim Richmond, Tim Richmond in my backup car. We had left Riverside and gone to Phoenix for the final race for the Winston West race. And I had Tim Richmond in my backup car, Tim Richmond, days yeah, of thunder. Tim yeah. Richmond. Tim Richmond. That's it. He was in my backup car and I was, I was running second. And I was smoking a little bit. I was catching Bill Schmidt, who was leading the race, and I was catching him, and I was going to pass him. But I was smoking a little bit, and they ended up black flagging me. I had an oil pan. Like, I had a crack in the oil pan. I had to come in, and we started trying to, you know, stop this thing up and get it done as quick as so I could get back out because I had a I had a points lead. And I was trying to, you know, get back out so I could keep the points lead and, and you know, win the championship, right? And I remember standing, sitting in the car. And then trying to work underneath that car, thinking, my, you know, my championship hopes are going down the drain. And, you know, they're the engines that I did, right? I mean, I, I mean, I put the motors together. It was all my stuff. And I can see Tim Richmond standing in, he'd broken a valve or a valve spring on, uh, on one of the engines that I had in the other car. And he's standing in front of me, looking at me, and he's just got his, his hands up, you know, and his head cocked, looking at me like, man, what do you do? Right. And, um, I'm like, yeah, you know, and, uh, I get back out on the racetrack. And proceed to go, and I'm just driving my guts out trying to get up there. And Jim Robinson ended up beating me by four points on on the points deal, and uh, I lost the championship, um, which was just gut wrenching. And I'm sure um, devastating because you, know, you had just completely dominated that year. Yeah, and it was just a uh, it was sad, you know, to 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 lose it. But you know, uh, I just you know I just you just take it on the chin, and you know uh, you just you just go on. You know that you know you have a lot more ahead of you, and uh, you know, you're just going to forge ahead. And, uh, so that's really what we did. You know, we just forged on and we were able to go back East that year, 1984 to Richmond, ran our first cup race on the East coast at Richmond, made the race. I don't know. Uh, we got wrecked, uh, and somewhere on the front straightaway that I don't remember exactly where we finished, but, um, you know, the, the thing was we went back to the, the Winston cup race, made the race on our own merit and, uh, proved that, you know, we could do this. And so it really just, again, fueled the fire. Yeah. I really, it was, 
where I knew I needed to be. It's what I wanted to do. And, um, you know, we, uh, we just wanted to press on, you know. And uh, I want to throw it back to George Jefferson a little bit. This is very poignant timing because we just got the very sad news just last week that um, he had passed. And um, I know that he had been very instrumental in your career and a very good friend. I never did get to meet him personally. He was already ill by the time um, we went back west. So I just got to meet his sons. But um, yeah, I, I know you want to say a little bit about George and in memory of him. Yeah. I mean, you know, again, this was a turning point. I think, uh, you know, I, uh, you know, at this point we're at right now, you know, we are going to part ways and, you know, I, I need to go, I want to go Winston cup racing and, you know, the opportunities just weren't there with, you know, the way logging was going with George and, you know, it was a struggle and I was, I was wanting to go back East and looking for an opportunity. And, uh, but, you know, at that time, you know, George, you know, had given so much to racing, um, and he's, and he did beyond the win after I left and he went on with Chad little and other people, right. He's given his, he gave his life to racing. He loved it more than life itself. And, um, and I know the passion he had for racing and, uh, he, and what he had for Ford Motor Company, he was a, you know, de- a Ford man. I mean, he was a through Ford man through and through. I mean, he, he would get a flat tire on the side of the road, a Chevy pickup truck come to pick him up. He'd tell him, <laughs> keep on digging, pal. I'm not getting in that Chevrolet. <laughs> and that's the kind of guy George was. Right. And, uh, you had to love him. And, um, but you know, um, yeah, uh, I just, you know, to have him to know that he's gone, you know, it, it's a, it's a sad day. It's just as we know that Jackie's gone, you know, it's just, those are the memories you have and that's what you do. And you know, you build those memories. And I know that, uh, growing up, you know, uh, Jason and Jeffer, um, you know, uh, they're very proud of, uh, you know, his legacy in the motorsports and they're carrying that on to this day. And, uh, you know, Jeff ended up driving one of my cars at, uh, at, um, Phoenix one time. So, you know, um, I'm hoping to see them at, uh, you know, uh, a Trans Am racer because they're doing some cars for that series as well. So uh, great guys, great boys, and carrying on the uh, the legacy of uh, the Jeffersons. So um, just a sad, a sad time, uh, you know, for all of us to know that, uh, that George is gone. So um, with that, I think, um, you know, we probably will let, let stop, uh, you know, the storytelling for a little bit here. Let's, let's talk a little bit about what's happening in the last couple of weeks here, you know, in, uh, in motorsports. Um, certainly some exciting things happening and going on some great racing, uh, from the cup series, truck series, Xfinity series, uh, formula one. Um, so, you know, uh, it's been a, a time off for the trans am and, and, and stuff going on there, but, um, you know, interesting things happening. Um, you know, the, the championships are all coming down to the wire now. So, you know, they're kind of, uh, ex- some interesting things are happening in the truck series. Uh, you know, it's kind of narrowing down here where, you know, the front row motorsports looks like they're, you know, they've got a, a great opportunity. Um, you know, it looks like that these kids are, you know, all gonna Zane Smith, Chandler Smith, um, you know, two front runners there, you know, and, uh, I think, uh, you know, I think Ben Rhodes is right in the thick of that thing as well. Right. And he's your last year's champion. Right. So, um, guys that, you know, have, have been, you know, very proficient all year long and put themselves in a position, you know, and not making a lot of mistakes. Right. So, um, it's going to be interesting to see what, what happens here. Uh, uh it's going to be, um, a, a real dog fight again, you know, but, uh, you know, the guy that's been, in my opinion, that's been really tough is Zane Smith. I mean, he's 
pretty calm, cool, and collected. Front row has done an outstanding job with that uh, that truck, and they, they really seem have. to be very consistent. So it's going to be. Um, I think it's their race to lose, probably out there. Even though, like last year, Ben Rhodes, uh, you know, stuck it to him and did a great job. So uh, I don't think you really can count on any of those guys. You know, you you have to step up and rise to the occasion, right? And when it's all on the line, you find more and you dig deep. And I think we'll see that in the truck series when it gets to Phoenix. You know, mm-hmm. but um, you know, Xfinity wise, uh, certainly. Um, you know, interesting to watch what's going on there as well. I mean, uh, there's, you know, some great racing going on. Uh, you know, I mean, you see, you know, guys that I, that I didn't think would struggle has been, uh, Allgaier. you know, he's uh-huh. been, he's been making a lot of mistakes. He's had to really press. I think, I think Gregson has, you know, found something in himself. He's found, you know, something where he's been able to get, you know, as much out of the race car I mean, he obviously uses himself up doing uh, it. <laughs> yeah, he's going to have to learn some breath control or something. Uh, he's not going to make it very long in the Cup Series with what, <laughs> how he's coming out of the car. Uh, yeah, that's scary. Yeah, he's spent. He he, 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 he he looks like he's uh, on drugs when he gets out of the car. Well, I think, you know what happens, though? I think, you know, when you know you only got to run 300 miles, you give it all. And it seems like that you always, like, use up all you have to run 300 miles. When you got to run 500 miles, same thing happens there. You know you have 500 miles mentally. It's just something that you do. And you find a way to get through 500 miles as you would have gotten through 300 miles and still be spent. But it's something that just just happens, right? And uh, I think he'll probably, you know, I think you can see he's done, he's driven the car for, for Hendricks there, you know, the Alex Bowman situation with the concussion and, uh, you know, uh, he did a nice job, you know, again, uh, kept the car out of harm's way and, and did exactly what they need to do, you know. Uh, so um, certainly not to the level of what John Hunter Nemechek did um, uh, in lieu of uh, the Bubba Wallace thing. But, and we'll talk about that in a bit. But, you know, uh, he be- basically has done a really nice job, won a lot of races. I mean, what was it? Eight, this is his eighth race, I think, mm-hmm. now, right? So, I mean, certainly the, the dominant uh, force. Uh, kind of like Briscoe last year, right? Mm-hmm. You know, yes. so it seems like you find a guy that they find something, they find if something clicks and they just seem to be, you know, the one to beat. And I think that, that is, it's pretty much the guy. I think he's the guy that they, they have to go beat. Right. Uh, so, uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. They still have Martinsville to go and, uh, you know, we'll see what happens at Martinsville and there could be a, a big turn there as well. Cause Martinsville is, as you well know, which you've been there many times, you know, it's, it is tight, it's tough and a difficult place to race. And a lot of mistakes get made and something not of your own fault can have you, you know, out of the race in a short, uh, short period of time. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, who comes out on top there and how they run, how they run the race and, uh, you know, and just try to get themselves to that to that final race at Phoenix. Right. So, um, a lot at stake right now. And I think uh, it's exciting to watch, you know, and the intensity that these guys are going through, uh, you know, in that Xfinity series, I mean, very, very exciting times. And, uh, you know, a lot of mistakes being made though, stuff that you wouldn't see normally in, in, out of people, I think. So I think there's some frustration starting to come out. Uh, the pressure really is, is there and you're seeing it. Mm-hmm. So, um, but like I said, the, uh, the cup series race, obviously, you know, was the one that, you know, was interesting to watch, obviously in light of Bubba Wallace's, uh, problem from Las Vegas, uh, you had John Hunter, uh, John Hunter Nemechek step in and get the, the chance to drive the car for Gibbs. And I mean, what do you say? Um, the kid, he, you know, he strapped it on him there, uh, in practice, he was the fastest car in, in practice and then went on to qualify fourth 
and uh, did a nice job. Um, you know, got in the race and, you know, I think spun the thing there uh, and then, you know, ended up, you know, battling the thing, getting the wall a number of times and, and battling the thing and, and not really getting the, uh, you know, the result that I think he was capable of getting. But, um, you know, well, he's inexperienced. Yeah. He's, you know, he's been in the Cup Series before, uh, took a step back, uh, went back to the Truck Series to, you know, to win races and, uh, you know, felt like that was what, and I think, you know, he, he's done that. He's proven that he can win that series. And, um, you know, the, but when he got an opportunity to get in a cup car, a, a top flight cup car, he was able to, uh, to be there. And, you know, a lot of people don't know this. I don't, maybe they don't, but, you know, I mean, John Hunter is a Toyota development driver and has been in the sim a lot over a lot of years. A lot. He's had a lot of great opportunities to work in sim and do a lot of testing. He's be, been afforded a lot of opportunities. He has. And I think that, um, you know, I think you really look at what he's done and, you know, he is a very proficient driver and you know but he's been given the best stuff to be proficient yeah he has uh but you know if you look at it too he's relatively young still and you know you maybe kind of forget the fact that he's been around because you've heard the name for so long right but he's a, rel a relatively young guy still and uh really i think you know we'll get an opportunity to get back to the cup series here uh you know i think in a short period of time hopefully uh you know something you know opens up for him it's tough right now because there's not a lot of slots if you really look at it, right, I mean, there's, you know, there's only 36 charters, right? And that's really about what's showing up each week. And, you know, there's only going to be a few changes, right? And I think, you know, if anybody goes in those slots, there's going to be some higher profile drivers probably, right? So the opportunities for someone new, a development driver, somebody out of the truck series or whatever, you know, you're seeing Gregson getting an opportunity to go to cup full time, you know, uh, and, you know, well, with Colic, he's got the funding though. And that's and what it, it comes down and, to, you know, and Colic that, that program, I mean, you have to give a lot of, uh, you know, uh, kudos to, to Colic and, uh, you know, Chris Rice and that group up there, they're doing an outstanding job with, uh, Colic racing right now. And, uh, you know, I mean, Almendinger going full time in the cup deal next year. I mean, he was a factor to win the race uh, at uh, at Homestead. I mean, he battled Chastain, you know, I mean, to the fullest degree of the word. And, uh, you know, Chastain ended up coming out on top and getting second there. But uh, nobody had anything for, uh, you know, for uh, uh, Kyle Larson except uh, Truex. And Truex, obviously... I know he's not your favorite guy. No, that's an understatement. But, um, you know, uh, you have to give him credit. I mean, you know. I don't have to give nobody well, credit. Well, he had a shot to come on pit road, and I think the sun was in his eyes, and he started to miss his spot. And I think he got on the brakes and made a late turn in his pits and got hit from Kyle from behind, turned him around, and then it all went downhill from him, there from him. But he had a real, I think he had a real shot to win the race. And, uh the only guy that probably could have beaten Larson, I think, at that point. Uh, Chastain had a good car, too. But I think, uh, you know, in the long run, it was a Kyle Larson car. And he just had to you know, hold him off till he the car came in. And uh, so interesting, interesting race. And uh, I have you know. to say, I'm, I'm, I was actually surprised that Truex wasn't whining um, at the end of that race when they interviewed him and actually gave a little bit of partial fault to himself that, yeah. You know, he made a mistake, which, um, yeah, I have to have to give it that much to him. Yeah. I mean, I thought he did, a, you know, he did a nice job. He owned up to the possibilities of things that, you know, it, you know, he had to put it on himself. Right. So, you know, and that's all you can do. Right. I mean, you just, 
it's a tough deal. You can, seeing out of those cars is difficult. Coming on pit road in the sun, especially at Miami, um, that sun is directly in your eyes, and it's a tough deal. And uh, so, and you felt bad. He's had a rough year, and uh, but you know what? Um, Kyle Larson and uh, that group did a nice job, and then you know, and obviously not in the championship run, but I think uh, you know has made a lot of mistakes this year, and I think uh, you know he uh, put a, put a race completely together, and uh, and uh, you know was really the the guy to win. They should have won the race and did so. On to Phoenix, or I mean, on to um, on to Martinsville now, and a lot at stake, right? So um, you know who's going to make the the final uh, group to go to Phoenix, right? So um, I'm looking forward to uh, to Martinsville and and watching those races and uh, seeing what happens and. Uh, seeing where we're at when we get ready to go to Phoenix. So, uh, um, we're, you know, uh, we're gaining, you know, gaining to the end of the, to the end of the year. And, uh, you know, it's all going to come to, uh, you know, a culmination here at, uh, at Phoenix. And, uh, beyond that, uh, you know, obviously the other big motorsports was the F1 race, you know, the circuit of Americas uh, at Coda, the uh, F1 race there. And, uh, was a lot of fun to see it on on uh, American soil. I love Formula One, and uh, and when I can, I get up and try to watch in the mornings on the uh, on Sunday morning. Uh, but um, yeah, it was a good race. Of you know, obviously some you know bad news from uh, uh, Dietrich uh, Mat- uh, Mat- Mataschitz, uh for who is the Red Bull uh, owner and, and inventor, co-owner, and uh, he passed away. So it was a, I know it was a difficult time for those guys there. But you know, obviously uh, you know Ver, uh, Verstappen. Uh, you know, ends up uh, winning again, and it was a good race. Um, you know, a lot of things going on there, but uh, it was good to see uh, one here. A great crowd. I think they had over four hundred thousand people at Coda over the weekend. So, you know, a, lo- a really good turnout for uh, the the F one show there. So, um, yeah, it was a, it was a good week. You know, a few weeks of racing. So, I guess we'll, um, you know, we'll kind of have to stop here and get ready for uh, you know the next episode, and uh, you know, look forward to. Uh, you, you, uh, calling in, writing in and, um, uh, you know, give us any thoughts on, uh, what happened this show and then we'll, uh, move, move on as we, as we can. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, hope you found some, again, some value in this episode and hope you enjoyed the early stories. And, uh, if you have any questions, comments, or something that you want us to talk about, please, um, reach out to us, uh, Instagram, Derek Cope, double zero at Derek Cope, double zero. Mine is at health coach Cope. We both have Facebooks and, um, we appreciate the, um, eWomen's Network, uh, podcast for putting this on. And, uh, thank you so much for listening in and we can't wait to be with you next time. See you next time. Thank you so much for listening. Did this episode give you some value? If so, please follow us on Facebook at Derek Cope and Instagram at Derek Cope double zero and leave a comment or question and use hashtag race theory. We can't wait to hear from you. See you on the next episode.